Hi, we're the Astro Twins, and welcome to the Astrology of Success podcast, where we teach entrepreneurs how to turn their gifts into real-world success stories guided by the stars. Hey everyone, it's Ophi from the Astro Twins, and I'm so excited to be back for another Astrology of Success episode. Today I'm here with one of my favorite Scorpios, and you kind of want to tell every Scorpio they're your favorite Scorpio, but she really is, uh, <laughs> Tara Nicole Nelson. Uh, she, Hi, Tara. Welcome hi. from Thank Oakland. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Tara is one of the entrepreneurs that I admire most. Uh, has given me some of the best advice. She's a globally recognized transformation expert, business coach, and spiritual strategist to women entrepreneurs and purpose-driven companies. And she's quite an accomplished track record working with major companies like My Fitness Pal, and you'll hear about that as we talk. But she's also the author of one of my very favorite business books, The Transformational Consumer. I just love what this book is about. Um, and she's the CEO of soultour.com, where she spends most of her time guiding students through the daily rituals, courses, and challenges. Very uh, intricate Scorpio path there uh, in, their, in the Soul Tour's School of Spiritual Strategy. So I can't wait to hear about that because you are, like us, passionate about mixing sort of spiritual modalities with business and not separating those things. Yeah, I actually think it's like a lie of the enemy (laughs) that these things are separate. They're really... I love that. Say a little more about that, why don't you? I just think that like most of us have been uh, taught, like our culture teaches that business and um, smart intelligence (laughs) and smarts are like on one end of a spectrum of human activity and interests and that spirituality and matters you know related to soul are like on a totally other and that never the twain shall meet and I think like I know in in my own career in my own life when things really took off was when I started bringing a hundred percent of who I was even to my work and that is so much of that is soul and spirit yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm a big fan of integrating, um, spirit and strategy. And, you know, it's, I love that you're someone who's worked with also large major corporations and in the tech sector and you're doing that because it's all well and good when you're sitting at home, you know, writing horoscopes, of course, business and spirituality can mix, but in that, when you start playing, you know, out in the world and doing that. So we'll, we'll come back to that, but I want to talk to you about how you do that at all levels of business because there's a lot of undercover closeted spiritual, you know, executives and powerhouses out there. So, you know, what's the right kind of way to do that? That doesn't make you, doesn't make, maybe we don't care if people roll their eyes. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't care. But, and if we don't, how do we get to that point? So, yeah, yeah, but look, yes, it's a practice. It's a practice. Let's, let's go back to your awesome book, The Transformational Consumer. I know you wrote it a while ago and you've, you know, drift back and forth, but it's just such, it's, I just love the subtitle. Um, 
if you know it off the top of your head, say it's it. It's really long, but I, I do know it. Um, it's <laughs> how to fuel a lifelong love affair with your customers by helping them get healthier, wealthier, and wiser. Yes. Um, and I kind of was like, I'm a, you know, I am, I do come from like a big company marketing background. So I kind of, everyone, everyone I knew, my publisher was like, that is way too long of a subtitle. But I'm like, hey, I'm a marketer. I know that may be all I get. <laughs> in terms right. of people's attention span, yeah. I might only get them on the cover. So I'm going to give them the thesis. They're going to know what this book is about. Yeah, well, it worked for me. So what I love about your book is, is that it really draws a distinction between a transformational consumer and a transactional consumer. So um, because... We, you know, the entrepreneurs that we talk to, the ones who are interested in spirituality, they're not interested in spirituality. They're interested in connecting, connecting to the people that they're serving and in contributing. So you've really defined what that looks like and what and and given it a name. So tell tell everybody how you came up with this. You have a great story behind this. Yeah, it was kind of like um. It, it was the book that took 40 years to write. Let's say that. <laughs> and I'm only 43 now. So, so there's the, there's the, the, the too long didn't read version. Um, throughout my career, and I had worked, I mean, I have had a real heck of a lot of plot twists in my career. I have a master's degree in psychology. I was a practicing attorney. Um, I worked in the real estate industry as a real estate lawyer and then a real estate broker. And then as a company spokesperson for companies like HGTV and Trulia.com, the real estate search engine. Um, and all along that part of my career path where I was basically just using insights that I would get directly from customers while I was in the car with them, helping them house hunt sure. to like create content ideas for HGTV and for Trulia that would that were not actually about us as, com as a company. They were really just, um, you know, content marketing pieces and strategies that would help our customers make progress toward their own dreams and desires and wants and needs. And so while I was running those programs like in-house or as consultants for those companies, it was at the same period in time, like, uh, let's see, I worked at Trulia was back in 2010. So this is quite a while ago. It was before content marketing was really like a discipline that people yeah. talked about. And let's talk we about real quickly what, for those who don't know, because we have people at yeah. all levels, what is content marketing? Yeah. So I think content marketing is anytime you use uh, like a blog post or a video or like a podcast could be yeah. content marketing, right? Where you're actually creating um material that's not not like a brand message like an ad campaign per se mm -hmm. right you're actually creating content that you want people to read and you know in the book I use the word engagement a lot you want them to engage with meaning you want them to actually read it or watch it or listen mm -hmm. to it um, or, and click on it and share it <laughs> and like it all of those things are things yeah. that marketers would call engagement yeah. um Anytime you're using that to drive your business objectives, whether it is building a list, um, building a following on a social media channel, um, getting people to buy what you actually sell, which is just really one kind of engagement. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's important in, and for, you know, small business people or solopreneurs, it's especially important 
sometimes to actually do the work over time of getting your customers to know who you are and to like who you are and to like what you're about and to connect with you. Every interaction is not meant to be transactional, which is kind of, you know, one of the big points of the book is that if you focus too much on the transactional and just trying to sell, um, you miss a whole lot (laughs) of the relationship building um, I say it's kind of like dating. It's like you can be like, hey, I'm uh, nice to meet you on this blind date. Want to get married? Like it's like, right. but or if you show up and you have nothing to say after five dates, it's like I we keep going out. I don't know who this person is. I Maybe I'll go try someone else. But if you show up and bring something interesting about yourself, and yeah, they get to know who you are. That's content marketing, right? Yeah. Yes. And something that is like resonant for that person. Like a lot of this is about like, there are a million brands selling all of the things, yes. <laughs> right? And there, and there still is an opportunity for every single person who has a calling in their heart and their spirit to start a business, especially a, 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 what I would call a transformational business, a business that changes the lives of the people that they serve in a, in a positive way. Um, there's always room <laughs> for more because so much of what is important when you're driving transformation for people is not just the thing that you sell, but your story or your unique spirit or your unique personality or your unique take on, on it. Um, there's something uniquely that you know that resonates for them and allows them to experience change in a way that all of the other things that they've tried in the past have not. Right. Right. And so it's a matter um, of packaging it, right? That's, you know. Yes. And packaging it with your story, mm-hmm. you know, and with, and so that's when we talk about content marketing a lot, we're talking about, you know, what, what, um, like, how do you, how do you create resonance for that person? How do you, A, yes, let them know that this is relevant to them, like this is for you. Um, but also just that deep inner resonance, you know how it is when you see, read a blog post and you're like, oh. Yeah. They like totally get me. <laughs> yeah. You know, or when you listen to a podcast episode and you're like, wow, that was like, that created space in my chest. <laughs> yeah. Because it like really speaks to a thing that I'm, I'm going through. That is what good content marketing is. Okay. So, at, so businesses of any size, you know, we'll I'll get back to what you were doing at Trulia with this, but um, this is really important for businesses of any size or even ones that are just starting? Like if you just I launched a site to do that, right? Because otherwise the nobody knows who you are. Yeah. Yes. yeah. One is important. Two is it's cheaper than paid, a lot of the paid strategies, right? True. And you may get to a place where you have to do paid to get people to it. Like reaching them with your content is a separate issue from engaging them with your content. Mm-hmm. But you can, a, a thing I say in the book and when I talk to like, corporate marketers all the time is you can spend all the money you want reaching people with something if it's not engaging you're literally pouring money down the drain yeah totally um, and, and that's, kind yeah. of vice versa too like if you have really beautifully engaging content it'll get people will get it <laughs> people right. will find it yeah yeah so it's it's really before you go start paying for facebook ads and putting up generic live laugh love content just like yeah. Be dig deeper into like, you know, how you can really connect. Your book is is one of those things that got me in the chest because I was like, yes, this is what I've always believed, but nobody's ever said about business. But I really have always believed that if you can, 
you said, uh, you know, cause a transformation or have someone be happier, healthier, wealthier, wiser, as your subtitle says, then they will have a lifelong love affair with you. They will, you know, we have, and we've been able to do that for some of our readers, which is why they have been reading us for 18 years, because we do that intentionally. So I was like, good, I haven't been like sitting here in my sweatpants in vain for all these, right. you know, <laughs> right. all these years. It's not, it's not as, it's not um, as surface as like the live, laugh, love. No, not right? at all. Deeper, and you do kind of have to get really, you have to, can I cuss? Yes, <laughs> my course. Yes, you um, can. You have to give a shit. Yeah, you do. A lot about your person's, your, tar- your target slash ideal desired, your, your bullseye customer and what, um, what high level problems they're trying to solve in their lives that might cause them to come across your product. Like you have to give a shit a lot about that to do really good content marketing. That's, and that's good news because I think our people maybe give too many shits. We're like, we get a stranger on the street, our, our tribe, you know, they see someone on the street. Are you okay? You know, give the stranger the hug when they're, so the good news is that, the internet was made for you, actually. You can't you care need, too much. You ministry. <laughs> uh, also have, like, boundaries. Yes, we do need <laughs> boundaries. That's the other side of it. Yes, please. So Thanks. so tell me, tell us again about, um, I know I took you off on an important tangent, but you were talking about uh, how you started with Trulia with their content and marketing and how they didn't really have anything going on. So you oh, set that yeah. up for them, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, like, really, how this got started, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share because it's kind of relevant to, to people who are solopreneurs. I was, I was just, I was a real estate broker selling real estate in the Bay Area. This was 179 years ago, aka 2004. <laughs> 2004 okay. Mm-hmm. And so before the recession, which actually was relevant. Um, and I was. Uh, I could, I was just sitting in the car. I've, I've learned about myself since then. I'm a big self-knowledge person now, but yeah. I've learned about myself that I'm a pattern spotter. It's like kind of how I understand the world. Yeah. And so I would sit in the car with these buyers and, you know, I would talk to them about houses, but remember I had been a lawyer, so I mostly cared about the deals, <laughs> not necessarily the houses per se. Yeah. Um, and I cared a lot about just being people's trusted advisor. And so I would, I would ask them to tell me like, what is your vision for your life after this purchase? Let's, and then like, let's reverse engineer what kind of house you should buy from there. That's nice. It was nice actually. It was lovely. And I still have a lot of my old clients as like just friends or clients in my new business. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I, what was kind of disturbing (laughs) was I would hear them talk about the life they wanted to create. And then I would like see the decisions they made in the course of their transactions. And these things did not go together. I was oh, like, wow. whoa, you're just way overspent. And you said you wanted like this office, this office, so you could start your own side business and like, you know, change your jobs. And I was like, there's no way you've just like totally overcommitted yourself. Wow. And so that happened enough. And I was like, I think I could probably get out in front of some of this. So I created this little flow chart that I thought of as like a curriculum <laughs> on like conscious way to buy a home, <laughs> right? And it was like how to, which all the agents were doing, but also like what to expect at every step. 
and how to manage your mindset, like where your freak out moments would come up and how to get out in front of them. And I would make my clients go through this flowchart with me um, before we ever even like saw a house. Cause that's what I kept seeing is people would get in a house and then they'd be all attached. And then it was like too late to put that train back in the station. Uh, so it changed the whole game. Like people's transactions were so much less stressful and they were making fewer offers to get to a house. I felt like they were making better decisions. It was just good. So wow. I turned that little flow chart into a seminar. I turned that seminar into a book that I self-published and then I joke, I sold 10 copies of that book. <laughs> but, but one of them was to HGTV, who one of the founders had actually picked up a copy of my book and called me asking if they could license the book as like essentially content marketing for this new real estate site that they were starting up. And then they hired me as a consultant to like break this long form book down into like very web friendly articles and video webisode series and like like media trained me. And so it was, that is like, that was, you know, really like 2005 or six. Oh, when Jupiter, Uh, the planet of luck was in Scorpio, your sign and people get a lucky break. How awesome. Something you said earlier this year about like these cycles, I'm not, I just rely on you for all of my struggles. <laughs> so I won't even like get detailed because I cannot say it, right? Mm. Uh, but you had actually asked for us to look back at what we were doing like yeah, maybe 16 years ago. Right, right. Or, or, or 12, see, 12, 12 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And yes, because this would have been last year. And yep. you said 12 years ago. And I was like, wow, because 12 years ago, I wrote that book and HGTV bought it. And it changed my career because I learned how to do marketing um, by basically having a contract that said, the more people you get to this site (laughs) who do this thing, the more we pay you. So I learned what kind of content drove people. And I learned what kinds of titles and topics um, people actually click on. And I learned, honestly, it's nothing fancy. In fact, one of the reasons I'm as good a marketer as I am for companies is that I was never a trained marketer. I just mm. cared about what people would actually click on and what they actually wanted to know. And I would give them that with no ego or attachment to the story having to be about our, my brand. Wow. And that is so, so important what you just said because... Yeah. people think they have to have it all figured out and I got to sit down and write all the content for my website and I'm going to do that for 20 hours and I'm going to lock myself up and they never do. Whereas what you're just, <laughs> yeah, because it's a, it's not transactional, it's transformational. It's a two way street. Um, yeah. As you're, you know, it's, a, you want to know what they want to know yes. when you're doing this kind of content marketing. And I think like one thing that has been, um, it's been helpful that I work most, I have worked in my company jobs in the, in Silicon Valley mostly, because I think tech companies do understand. There's a thing that some of you guys may have heard of called lean startup methodology. Um, but tech companies do understand that like, you don't necessarily go build the whole big version of the thing and spend all the money and all the time in it your first shot. You write a little thing (laughs) and you put a minimum viable product out there. You put like something that has like maybe the con for me, like in my business now, our technology is not great guys. (laughs) Like the websites are not great, whatever, but the content is great. Yeah. 
right? So like, I know I have the core kernel of the thing that is my core offering. Yeah. Um, and I kind of put it out there. And for like the last year, year and a half, we've been like messing with the product, messing with the offer, seeing what lands, messing with price points, hearing, you know, customer feedback, getting a few customers into a program and asking them a bunch of questions about what is and isn't working for them. And then just like evolving it and optimizing it over time. And I love Which, that. I love that you're saying that because that's so important. But people don't do that. Sorry, go on. I didn't mean to Our job you. is to give them permission. Yeah. I mean, I you you said two words that I know are insider terms, but they're ones that I uh, have had to pick up along the way you said the lean product. So there's a book yeah. called the Lean Product Playbook, right? Uh, lean. Yes, lean. and there's the one that I um, love is called the Lean Startup. The Lean Startup. It's lean, lean methodology. Startup. Lean as in like not fatty and overdone. Yes. So, and and the minimum viable product or MVP. So the yes. the theory behind that is don't build the whole farm, do the absolute minimum and then test and then do a little more and then test. And that's what you're saying. So yes, and like, if you're a spiritually inclined person, which you probably are, <laughs> you're listening yes, to this. Yes. Um, I love that because I think there's a spiritual beauty to it. I think basically what you do when you build the minimum version of a thing and put it out into the world is you team up with your customers like you're basically asking them to co-create your product with you um, in a way that really works for them. And so, you know, for, I think that can be helpful for those of us who have perfection for those other people who have perfectionistic tendencies, har har. (laughs) Oh yeah. We don't have those. No, no. I've never, yes, Yes. definitely. am a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) Um, It's helpful because you know, it's you. So sometimes it's you and your face and you're whatever. And you're like, oh my God, it's gotta be perfect. It's helpful to think of it through that lens of like, you're really inviting your customers to co-create a solution with you to their problems. And let's talk about customers because that's a whole other thing. So, you know, we think we know who our customers are (laughs) um, or maybe, or we think we know who they might be if we're just starting out. But how, what's, you know, how can a small or new business like what process do you recommend for figuring that as you're testing out the kind of content that people like, you also want to find out who are the people that you want to attract. Some people call it the ideal customer avatar, Um, you know, and your book shows a lot about that. So let's, let's hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's usually even like before even I'm creating content, I am a, die hard all the time, 100% of the time, you have to do some level of customer research. You have to. Yeah. And I think part of the reason you have to is that especially if you're like a small solopreneur, you have like a transformational business thing that you're inspired to do. It's very, a lot of us are in businesses that solve problems we have. Mm. And so it's very tempting to think that your customer is exactly like you. And they may or may not be. Mm-hmm. That can be a big fallacy, actually. Yeah. And you just, you need to, um, I am a huge proponent of like understanding the natural language that your customer is using. 
around the problem they experience and, and the solutions that they're looking for versus just what you call it or what you think it should be called. Sometimes you can miss your whole audience just because you guys are calling it, calling what you do something different. Right. Like I give myself as an example. For years, I've been like, I'm a consultant, I'm a consultant, I'm a consultant, because that's what I was, mostly for companies. But as I moved into working with more individuals, I was still like, well, I'm a consultant. I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach. And I said that forever. I'm not a coach. But then people would be like, well, what do you do? And I would say, well, you know, I unlock brilliance. (laughs) And I do these things. And like, at some point, I was like, hi, that's what coaches do. (laughs) oh I love it you know what I mean like why are you doing all these gyrations to be like I'm a consultant but I also work on the inner well-being of the executives that I or you could just say what they say and when I did and it was funny I had avoided that I think because there was such this huge so many coaches right Um, because I don't actually just you you can't just like come to a site and sign up to work with me. Like, it's true. It is sort of a two prong thing. Like you want to differentiate yourself from the sea of coaches, but you also, if coach is the word that people in your audience resonate with the people you yeah. want to work with the most resonate with, then find a way to use that word. Even if you're right. a and so, type yes. of coach. And, so, and then when I started doing that and started, you know, I don't just say I'm a coach. I say a lot of other things. Yeah. And I would, I would send a one cents email. I sent an email to someone last night and they signed it for a $20,000 package. Wow. <laughs> because that's what they think. They've all been thinking I was a coach this whole time. Wow. So there's a thing where when you start to do customer research, you tap into like deep into the mindset and the just the way that your customers talk about things, which is in invaluable if you're creating content for them. Yeah. Like to get people to click on a topic or, or on like a blog post or a video or whatever, if they see words in that title that are the same kinds of words they use when they're talking about that problem, they are very likely to click on that. Wow. And that's the first step. Like there's so much beautiful content out there that no one's engaging with because they don't even know it's like good, yeah. <laughs> you know? And you have a worksheet that we're going to be able to share uh, in the, we'll share in the in the notes from the show uh, for people that they can use to, to map the journey of the customer. We used it. We did um, a bunch of interviews of our customers. We were in the midst of a website redesign and realized we had done exactly what you said, made up these personas without really talking to people. And while it turned out that maybe 90% of what we thought was accurate, we got Mm -hmm. such a deeper dimension from using this worksheet of yours and asking people these questions that are so thoughtful that you came up with. One of the things that came up was that everybody would show us like a binder. They printed stuff out from us and put it in a binder. So we realized we have all these binder people. Maybe we should be making binders or making things easier to print. Maybe, you know, yeah, because people really want to sit down and engage with the, you know, the stuff we're creating and the worksheets. But I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't talked to people. Um, yeah. And it's like, I mean, talking to people is if you can do it, you should, if you, but there are some other ways to do it too. Oh, let's hear. You can, um, you can listen. So we call it online listening. When you go to sites, um, online communities where your customer audience who is trying to solve the problem that your business exists to solve 
um, is just talking about that problem or talking about other products that try to solve that problem without knowing that anybody from one of these businesses is paying attention. So sites like Reddit, like Reddit forums um, for Reddit is, I know it has a bad rap, but actually there are many, many transformational communities on Reddit. They have all, every health community, they have frugality communities, minimalism communities, like every kind of emotional problem. There are just people on there talking about like, what's their biggest problem and and asking each other for support. Um, I also look a lot at like Amazon product reviews. Um, I join, I belong to the most hilarious set of Facebook groups. Like I belong to the carnivore group and the homesteaders group. Like I am oh, wow. neither of those things, but I do need to pay attention to people's how they're how they're talking and why they're doing what they're doing and which products they're interested in. Um, I'm very interested in like food movements um, and special diets um, as a matter of my work. So I kind of keep a finger on the pulse of like what those trends are by just being belonging to some of these groups. Um, and things like, um, like if the New York Times runs an article that's really relevant to your subject matter, um, they'll often have a good, very flourishing um, debate <laughs> or discussion. Yeah, the comments. comments. This is where you want to read the comments. Maybe not about this yourself. This is the only time but... you probably want to read. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like never read the comments when it's something that you posted. Right, right. But always read the comments when it's like a, a competitor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually heard, you know who I heard say that years ago that I thought, this girl is really going somewhere. Willow Smith, Will and Jada oh. Smith's daughter, when she had that song, yeah, uh, with my hair back and forth, yeah, uh, some, I heard someone interview her and she said, oh, my dad lets me watch all of my videos and stuff on YouTube, but he puts his hands over the comments. Oh, wow. It was like, oh, no wonder you're a well adjusted. <laughs> I know. I just, I kind of sometimes want to be adopted into that family, if only to see what, if, you know, like a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Like <laughs> yes. I would like Will and Jada to be my parents for like a oh, summer or something. You know? <laughs> we could probably make that happen. Yeah. We could. we could. I'd have to go to some Scientology meetings, but Hey, imagine the things you'd hear there. Talk about, talk about research. <laughs> I mean, actually. Yeah. And like, I think they're very business oriented that crew yeah I mean I'm I'll listen to any conversation but maybe that's the Scorpio in my chart too but that's what you're saying yet the internet is your focus group okay so spy with abandon because it's there listen yes you said and so then and then what you're kind of looking for and it is in this um the blank the fillable customer journey map that, that we'll share with people um you're basically looking to create a map, a progress map of your ideal customer's real world journey of trying to solve the problem that your company exists to solve um, in their terms, right? So you're kind of wanting to know what stages they go through and what things trigger their progress and what things get them stuck, what are pain points they experience, um, how they feel and act at each stage and where they're like, where do they go to do research? And, and you can just, from that list of, of characteristics of this kind of customer journey mapping, you can see, like, it's a real layup from there into product ideas and content ideas. Yeah. Right? Like, if they have this, que- if everyone you talk to has this question at this stage <laughs> and goes to these kinds of, sometimes they go to places online to research them. Sometimes they go to a certain kind of a professional or yeah. a kind of friend to ask 
that question over and over again, then you can know where to put your content. Right. Or like, yeah, if they're all good, exactly. If they're all going to this one place, well, maybe I can do a guest post there. Or maybe, you know, it's not like, oh, I must destroy that or steal them. Like, well, I better show up at the places they're hanging out. You yeah. had a great example in your book of my fitness pal that I loved about um, I think you, you went all over the country to talk to people. You got out of the San Francisco, you know, $14 burrito bubble. And and I thought that was so smart because you, you have a, a story about how you realized that these dollar uh, value menus, like in all these other parts of America where people could get $1 meals, like because their priority was not healthy eating, it was saving money. So. Huh. And yeah. that's why I say, like, even if you, like, I'm a very health-focused person, you might think that I'm, that my customer, I was the chief marketer on my fitness pal for Comcast. Um, I knew, actually, going into that job, I was not the target customer. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I, I had actually lost, like, 60 pounds, but, like, 20 years ago. And, you know, was okay with keeping it off and like, whatever, I'm a little bit rabid. And I knew my customer is like very beginner at this. So like, I knew we had to actually go talk to people. They couldn't be in San Francisco <laughs> where we were located. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because people, we had like two or three different people say something about the Fresca menu. And I, we literally, no one on my team even really knew what that was, but we had documented it several times and we Googled it and realized that was Taco Bell's dollar menu. Okay. The Fresco um, menu. Wow. They called it Fresco menu. And then we realized every fast food chain had a dollar menu. And while we had been, you know, in our fancy San Francisco ways being like, no, it's not really that much cheaper to eat like fast food. That's just a thing people say until we sat there and watched a mother with four children feed her whole family on $20. And we were like, wow, it really is cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why people, that's one huge reason people do it. So how did you incorporate that? Like, so you're like, all right, we're trying to do this fitness app and go big and mass and into those mainstream parts of America. And now we have this dilemma. So how did you, maybe it wasn't a dilemma. How did you incorporate the Fresca menu findings into yeah. my fitness pal? We called it, it was like cost, the things that we saw that were objections that we didn't really realize were as major before until that, that trip. Cost was one, calories was one, taste was one. Um, I think, and maybe like ingredients. So basically we were looking at the, we have the data from our app that people who cooked their food at home were dramatically more successful. So we were very interested in all the reasons that people didn't cook. So cost was one. Um, one was they knew what their calorie counts needed to be and they didn't think they could actually make good tasting food yeah. <laughs> in those calorie, good tasting, satisfying food in those calorie counts. Um, and then one was just like complexity, like cooking skill. People are like the food at fast food restaurants just tastes better than anything I cook. Mm. Um, and I'm not going to cook a thing with 20 ingredients. Mm -hmm. So we created this whole recipe program and we actually ended up creating one of the largest like recipe media programs in the world. 
Um, so we created a whole recipe program on the blog and we would do different um, campaigns around like, like um, what do you call them? mason jar salads that you could take to work with just a few ingredients that you could just throw together. Oh, wow. um, we would do things that were like, everything's under four ingredients. We would oh. do things where like you could actually feed your whole family of four on $20 because we knew that was the benchmark that people were doing. They would let their kids each order like four things. Oh, wow. So we knew if we could get a family of four fed at like under $20, that was good. And we would do whole cookbooks. We published cookbooks like jointly with big partners like Cooking Light and, and Healthy Eating and those magazines um, with calorie count specific recipes. Wow. So we would be like, if you need to stand at 300 calories for dinner, this. So we very literally <laughs> sought to solve those problems and then when we did it was interesting because the product team we would often use marketing as a way to see if people would really be um would really engage with something the way that you know would really use or come to us for um a specific solution and so once we did we actually our product team started to build um recipe features directly into the app um, but it's kind of the, the point that we were talking about before. We did that when we could test it, test out people's receptivity to it with blog posts versus like building a whole app. Right, a whole recipe <laughs> app because a couple of, yeah. So. Right, because a couple of people were like, uh, we're, you know, needing to drive our kids through the drive-thru. So we got that first and then and when people were receptive to it, it did that. So interesting. Um, so, you, so you listened, you found out that cost and and calories and time and there were these factors you tested it with a blog post just to further engage little bits of content partnering and then that eventually led to parts of the app that had recipes so that was kind of the the order it went in and my fitness pal was bought right it was acquired by under armor for what 450 million or something like that a whole bunch of millions. Yeah, some millions, more millions than we can count. And you were part of that because you listen to people. So that's what can happen when you listen to your customers. It is. It's about listening and being responsive and not getting attached. Yeah. You, can't, you almost can't get it. Like you're in it for the customer. Yeah, you can't have the temper tantrum. I worked so hard on this post and I'm going to make it. I'm going to make them like it. They're going to eat their vegetables. Like, if it doesn't work, <laughs> drop it like it's hot and move yeah, on. You know, exactly. Um, so I want to talk about... Uh, oh, everything into the first pass in the first place. Oh, then you don't, yeah. don't as Totally, totally. Just, yes, take your time, test, try before you unroll. So I want to talk about... Um, what you're doing now, because uh, you have the spiritual strategy and the sacred money archetypes, you're really moving into more of that. We talked about that at first. So, so tell, tell us, you know, how you've taken all of this amazing uh, marketing experience and now you're developing it into something more that is coaching-ish, right? Coaching, <laughs> consulting. <laughs> um... You know, after I wrote the book, I was doing a lot of consulting, really consulting for companies who uh -huh. <laughs> were trying to reach transformational consumers. And the thing that I heard the most from the leaders I was working with was even once they realized what they should be doing, 
as a company, they were struggling to, they were struggling to stay engaged with their jobs. They were struggling to have um, the influence in, in the organizations, in, like within their companies that they needed to have um, in order to get the work done in a consumer centric way. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were just struggling in the workplace in general. A lot of the kindest hearted, most conscious people were struggling and were like, frankly, leaving the workplace. Yeah, so demoralizing when you want to contribute and you can't. Yeah, so. and you can't get anybody to, <laughs> to like yeah. pay attention. Oh, and so worst. a lot of what I was doing was like kind of backroom coaching. Okay. Um, coaching the CMOs, coaching the marketing managers, coaching the, the even the CEOs sometimes to help them get really, really crystal clear on how what the company was doing was aligned with their own personal vision and mission and purpose and callings. And then also to adopt the, the daily rituals and practices that had so worked for me in terms of um, just allowing, empowering me to bring 100% of who I am to the world, and including through my work. And so I would just teach this group of people about my daily writing practice. And I would teach that, that CEO about like meditation. I would give that wow. one this tool. And at some point, I actually remember the day when the CEO of a very well-known company, consumer company, was like, why don't you do this for a living? Like, you're a good marketer, <laughs> but like, this is actually, he said, this is blowing people's minds. Yeah, that, that's how it um, happens for a lot of people. It is. It was kind of accidental, but it oh, all... Why like, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I started doing this. Um, I started actually with the writing challenge. It was just a passion project. I wanted to teach people how to build a daily writing practice. Um, because I have, you know, I have, I have a lot of what we now call spiritual strategies, which are like tools and systems and practices, um, and daily rituals that cultivate your inner well-being and spiritual connection, but in a way that allow you to be successful in your everyday business and your everyday life. Like it's, mm. I, I joke that it's like one woo, <laughs> not, <laughs> not woo, which is one it's woo. Just woo. And, Woo. Yeah, woo. woo. <laughs> but we make the woo very relevant to your everyday life. <laughs> One um, woo, I love it. So, like, I had the strategies themselves, the things that I had been doing in terms of meditation, and daily declarations, and all these things. Um, but I also had a lot of what I knew from my fitness pal and other jobs that I'd had about how to help people actually change their behavior. Because, like, everybody kind of knows they should be meditating. Everybody. Building the habit of meditating is a totally separate thing. <laughs> so I thought I could help do that. And so we did this writing challenge that I've now had like 20,000 people come through. Wow. Um, the writing challenge for conscious leaders and creators. And I would issue a prompt every day and a nudge every night. And it was changing people's lives. And then over time, um, actually, I was in a meditation one day and had this very um, clear <laughs> divine download that I should start a school. And so that's like our core program now is, so I run a company called Soul Tour. Um, it's a personal growth school with um, a focus on serving people who work in this business world. So entrepreneurs and like intrapreneurs, people who are in leadership roles in companies. Um, and we focus on teaching, you know, daily rituals and practices, as I mentioned. Our core program is called the School of Spiritual Strategy. Um, and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that, like my favorite out, outcome um, 
data point on that program is like 92 92% of the people who take that program, it's a year long program, but 30 days in 92% of people say they love themselves more. Wow. Nice. And I'm obsessed with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause when um, you do. So in that program, I just, I guide those people through a daily ritual six days a week. So six days a week, they get an email from me and I guide them through their meditation and writing practice and all of that. Mm. And then um, we focus on a different area of your life every month. So like actually this month we're focusing on mastery. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot on like spirit, maintaining your spiritual independence from, from cultural norms <laughs> mm. um, and really learning to own your own power, mm. standing power um, for the business people in the group. We're doing a lot of work on uh, no longer like undercharging. And oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's, that's a big um, one for people. And you have a, a sacred money archetype quiz, yeah, right? Does that so, help people with stuff like that? With the... It does. The sacred money archetypes, uh, we're about to, we start a six week course on the sacred money archetypes in, in August. Oh, um, that is a cool program. Like if you've ever been interested in like the Jungian archetypes, like the Myers-Briggs or the, even the, like the Enneagram, any of these typing systems. Obsessed, of course. Astrology. Yeah. Right. Yes. Who's not? These, all of these self-knowledge and self-discovery systems, the sacred money archetypes are a super exciting system. That's like a subset of the big Jungian archetypes. So there are eight sacred money archetypes. And when you learn what your own is, you get this crazy flash of instant insight about why you do what you do with money. (laughs) And so it's a system of like your strengths and your challenges, like your gifts and your shadows. Mm. Um, And, and it's a tool you can use to understand like what, like what business model makes sense for you. Which, which customers um, and vendors and employees are, uh, will be a good fit for you? And how do you, like literally what words can you say that will inspire them? So good. Uh, so good. Very cool. We're so doing that, some of that yeah. with astrology in our programs. And it's just, it, when you give that specific, like I cannot wait to share this with our people. You're, you're going to tell us, you know, where we can yes. send people to take the quiz, right? Um, but it's just, it really... We just sometimes, you know, I always say, they say, start with why. I think most purpose-driven people know why. It's like once you, you know, it's like really actually got to start with how. Like, I know why I want to do this. I know what I want to do. How. And when you give that kind of, that's what I love about your work. You're giving very specific guidance. Still open to anyone, the creativity isn't killed off. You're not giving rules, but those kind of specifics, like then people can get a vision of what they're supposed to do. And just, I want to know that stuff. I want to know who, you know, what kind of vendors I'll work well with or not work well with on an archetype. Hello. Think of the time and money people oh my save, gosh. you know, or waste no, by not knowing really, that. It is like cutting the line. That's what, the sacred money archetypes do is you cut the line of a bunch of stuff cut that honestly you guys are smart you would have learned it just might have taken you 10 years <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah you get these oh my god and it has changed my own personal business oh. um dramatically oh. dramatic i'll share stories on another date 
Yeah. Well, you know, at this recording, there's a couple weeks till August. So are people still able to sign up for the six-week course? And how can they do that? In fact, so if you're interested in the six-week Sacred Money Archetypes course, you should email me because this is a program we're only we're doing by invitation only the first time we're teaching it. Oh, nice. So email me at Tara at SoulTour.com. So Tara at SoulTour.com. Also put that in the notes too. Yeah. So I like that. Are you testing out the material too? Uh-huh. The and I, you know what? I have created my, in my school, I give, I share everything I ever do. I share with them first. So I, I have this like wonderful beta group. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of actually when you create content that's live or you create a group that becomes your focus group as well. Wow. I mean, it's a, it's totally not a transactional thing. It's totally transformational because the worst thing that can happen is that someone gets a small transformation from your work instead of a huge one or that, you know, but usually they get a huge one from very little. And so you're gifting them something for, you know, free or a special price. And they're giving you their feedback on, you know, what they like or what they want more of and boom. And even testimonials. like. It's it's a wonderful way to always have testimonials before you market a program to yeah. like have that you run it on, you know, included with something else that they're, they're buying. And that's an important thing because I know there are people, I uh, have a friend actually recently who just did a whole, she sat down and cranked out this whole program and then she put it out there and it's brilliant, but she got crickets back mm. and she's trying to figure out why and what happened and, you know. And I think it's just, you have to build the relationship. So if you're thinking about opening up a private Facebook group or starting something like that, just, you know, don't focus on what you're going to get out of it. Don't focus on what you can sell. Just focus on giving and getting feedback. That's what I think. I don't know what your take on that would be, Tara. I think that and like, I'm a big inspiration junkie. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Every good thing I've ever done in my career has been because I just had a really good hunch. Yeah. <laughs> like I necessarily have evidence that this would be great in the long run. Mm-hmm. So if you have an urge to start that kind of a group, just do it. Just do and it, don't yeah. Don't sell them anything yet. Just do it. Exactly. Don't go like, oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it, lo- but just, yeah. yeah. Test the hypothesis of yes. your intuition by saying, well, I, Because you know what? If you're lit up by sharing about it, then great. You just get to talk about your favorite subject and refine your thoughts on it like once a week or whatever. No harm. No harm comes. But if you you never know who you'll attract into your world. Like I said with my HGTV story, I randomly wrote a 400-page book. That was not a good business decision. (laughs) (laughs) But I had some money to say. (laughs) Yeah, you had something to say because you knew. And the, the right person. So. Yeah, we talked about that in one of our classes this last week about the what a niche is, where what you want to contribute or love to contribute intersects with what, you know, your ideal customer needs and the problem they're trying to solve. And if you can find that sweet spot, you know, yeah. that's what this whole – make it fun. Make it a journey. It's called a journey for a reason. So, um, so – to find you, we have The Transformational Consumer, awesome book. I recommend any entrepreneur, especially anyone doing a conscious or niche business, you know, which if you're not doing one of those, what the hell are you doing? Um, 
read this this is required reading and then for um the sacred money archetype six-week course starting august 2019 if you happen to be listening to that before invitation only tara t-a-r-a at soul tour s-o-u-l tour t-o-u-r.com so is there anything that um anything you want to leave people with to part or anything we didn't get to cover about your work i mean We'll have you back on, of course, because there's a million things we didn't cover. You know, I would encourage people to take the Sacred Money Archetypes quiz. Yes. It's free. It's at soultour.com slash sacred money quiz. Okay. It's a little bit game changing just in the, in like the results. You'll be like, whoa, I feel very seen or spied on one. (laughs) Good. Um, But it's very useful immediately. So, so soultour.com slash sacred money quiz. Yes. Okay. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm about to run over there right now and take it myself. Um, this is where you oh, want yeah. the internet. <laughs> yeah. See, this is, this is, I will tell you, of course, but this is one of those times that you want the internet spying on you because, you know, because it's Tara. Yeah. It's not like some companies spying on you. Right. Right. More like you see the results and you're like, how, you know, that's what archetypes are. They're age old. Like they've yeah. always existed in humanity. We're not inventing any new patterns of people. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? Will she collect your email address in exchange for it? Probably. Yes, definitely. But will that be a totally different experience from a creepy site that just starts spamming you with sales offers collecting your yeah, your definitely. email? Absolutely. So because I know some, you know, one last thing, I know some people feel like bad or weird about asking, you know, you want to start building your list, but you feel weird about asking people for their emails because data and privacy, those are important things. But if you're giving something that could change someone's life and prosperity and wealth uh, attraction like look i'll um, give you i'll give you my i'll give you my whole family's email address right? you know i tell my coaching clients you have an issue with that i just say when we our marketing is an invitation to a like-minded human to rendezvous with us in our zone of genius Ooh, for their I benefit love that for their benefit. We're not even doing work that doesn't benefit our people. So then you're like, oh, of course. Yeah. Who doesn't want to send out invitations to that kind of party? Exactly. <laughs> Hello. It's the content, not the context. So yes. listen, this was so awesome, Tara. Oh. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to have you back on because, you know, we just scratched the surface of your brilliance here. But I know that people are going to get so much out of this and I, I can't wait to listen back, especially to that quote you just said. So find Tara at soultour.com. Go take that quiz and thank you so much. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Astrology of Success podcast. You can follow us on iTunes at Astro Twins Radio and come get all your horoscopes at astrostyle.com. See you soon.